It's a great day. It's a great season. How many love this Christmas season? What a great time. <clears throat> you know, it can be... Um, the, the, sometimes the memories of Christmas and this time of year can be... Um, I don't know if the word cruel is the correct word, but sometime when, sometimes when people are going through certain things and, and um, things aren't the way they used to be and, and all of that, this time of year can, can be kind of difficult. Some people have not had the best memories or whatever at this time of year. If you've had good memories, sometimes you're maybe not even aware that maybe there's other people that haven't. And so I just I say that to you to really be, really be aware of people around you and their circumstances and situations and look for opportunities that God will lead you in to be a blessing to other people. It's very important that we keep ourselves open to the needs of others, especially during this time, because people are open uh, to receive and they're open to at times listen or, you know, especially if someone has something they want to do, you, you have something you want to do for someone else. Maybe, maybe people that you've seen all year long, maybe that are in different businesses or, you know, somebody you may come across in a convenience store that you've seen all year that, that, you know, checks you out every time you go through there. And God may lay on your heart to take them something and bless them and encourage them, you know, in the, in the year, in the time. And, you know, just little things like that. I've had many, many opportunities through the years to, to see certain doors open, but it's as God leads you to do it. It's not just randomly picking something. I mean, you know, not that that's going to necessarily be wrong, but, but we have the Holy Ghost, and He'll tell us how to be there and, and be a blessing and be kind to people and, and do things for people when they're in specific needs. Because I'm telling you, there's a, we live in a world and a society right now that's got a lot of need. But we serve a Savior that meets every need. Can you say amen? Our God will meet every need according to His riches and according to His ability in every way. Not just in the financial realm, but in every way. He'll meet every opportunity. And a lot of times, a lot of times... When you're in need in a certain area of your life, you need to be in a position and be open to and be willing to give to help someone else. Because it's amazing the opportunities that are out there. Yes? I'm still getting some ringing back here. Can you fix me? Um, so, <clears throat> we've been on our message, The Nature of Love. And I'm going to share one message today. And then I've got the next two Sundays, I've got a couple of Christmas messages that God's given me to minister to you, and I believe that they'll be good. Um, so I've just got this one message, and then we'll pick it up and, and finish this the week after Christmas. Um, so... Because I was gone Sunday, I had to go um, and deal with some, some family issues back home. And my stepmom, man, I'm, I'm really humming. Can you do anything to bring that humming down? It's just bothering me. Um, my 
stepmother went into cardiac arrest and they revived her and she's been back alive and breathing and so it's been a couple of couple of weeks and some there's there's a few things that have got to line up with her but I had to go and spend some time with my dad and deal with that situation there and so I was not here on Sunday um can I can I just switch to this I'm sorry but I that's go back to can we try this <coughs> test am I on the right one test there we go okay let's do that so that's why we didn't I wasn't here last week and uh, but God is good yes and God's word is good and it's true and and uh, again it's amazing the opportunities of ministry that you have when you have something when you have something to give to people the opportunities will come as I was back home I just seemed like just so many needs and I guess when you're around a hospital you notice a lot more needs than than there are normally in other situations but just so many people that need hope and 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 have you know have encouragement to just you know man I don't know it just seems like sometimes it that the lack of encouragement that people are getting is just overwhelming and uh, so that's why so much more as the day approaches the scripture says that we have to be encouraging one another in the truth of God's word so we've been on this message titled the nature of love and um, Matthew chapter 22, I want to read this verse we read last time that I shared on this. Um, Matthew 22 and starting with verse 36. And it says here, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So in other words, you know, most people know about the Ten Commandments. They've heard of the Ten Commandments. And our country established a lot of things on the Ten Commandments. And if you go to Washington, D.C., and a lot of the big buildings around Washington, you see, you see the Ten Commandments in different places. And so our country was founded on the awareness of those commandments of God, of the things that, that, were, that God didn't like, that, that were things that were right to do and the things that weren't right to do. And um, so we were made, our country was founded on that. But... This scripture says that not only those 10 commandments, but there's 600 plus commandments in the Bible. He said, all the law and the prophets, everything before Jesus, is summed up and hangs on these two commandments. That you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And your neighbor is everybody but you. So what that means is every promise that you see in the word that you quote, and that you claim in the old, from the Old Testament, 
There are promises about that God will bless everything that we set our hand to. There's promises that say that we're the head and not the tail. We're above and that we're not beneath. We're blessed coming in and going out. There's promises all through the word. But whether those promises manifest on our behalf hang on these two commandments. That you develop a love for God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And that you love your neighbor as yourself. That you love and administer the nature of love to your neighbor the way you would yourself. In other words, you treat everybody else the way you would want to be treated. It's pretty, there's a lot to that. There's a lot of thought process that's involved in that. To treat all of humanity the way you would want to be treated. Not treating humanity the way they deserve to be treated. You know, you, 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 we, we want others to be kind and patient with us, but when, the, when kindness and patience has to flow through me, a lot of times I don't want to do that. You know, or us, we, people, humanity. But the more that we develop the understanding of loving God and knowing who God is and then being able through the love of God that's manifested in us, we're able to demonstrate those right love acts in unlovely situations is where the promises of God begin to flow through us. He said, on these two commandments hang everything that the prophets prophesied was true. Jesus' blood and his body that was tortured and beaten and the sacrifice that he paid for you and I, even though that's a spiritual truth and that happened for us whether that works for me or not is if I learn to understand and love God and then take that love and love people with see if I won't do that even though Jesus died for me and he delivered me and set me free there are a lot of things I won't see work on my behalf if I'm not willing to love people the way I want to be treated I'm not willing to treat people, learn to treat people the way I want to. And, you know, really, it doesn't have to be, if we see those commandments as a law instead of a choice, eh, we'll break them. Eh, we just throw in the towel, we get frustrated and, and whatever. But if we see it as a challenge to make a difference, you realize if you can be kind to somebody that's irritated you for half your life, all of a sudden you can be kind to that person. And you can demonstrate some acts of kindness. You can demonstrate doing something good for that person when you know they don't deserve anything from you. What else could happen on the planet? <laughs> what else good could happen? There, there's, there's no telling what can happen on the other side of something like that if we choose to make a difference. We choose to make some alterations and some changes in our attitude towards people. You see... Whether the promises flow or not hang on the fact that I, whether the promises flow to me so that they can flow through me to other people, hang on the fact that I love God with all my heart and then love people with that same kind of love. It's pretty eye-opening. So in 1 Corinthians 13, I want to just read this again before I go to 1 John. We're going to spend the rest of our time in 1 John, but I want to read 
those four verses in 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse 4. Verse 4 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. I mean, just think about not being rude. Just think about how many times on a day, daily basis or on a weekly basis that you find yourself rude to people that you think deserve your rudeness. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's not justifiable. That's not what we're talking about. It's easy to flow with things like that. But, but how many times are you rude? And, and all, all I'm saying is, what could happen? What could happen in your life? What's on the other side of you choosing to not be rude, and I mean, you don't, you don't necessarily have to say anything, just smile. You know? Maybe just keep your mouth shut instead of saying anything. If you can't say something good, don't say nothing. I heard that all my life, you know? You can't say something good, just keep your mouth shut. Well, that's easier said than done, Right? That's why if the love of God isn't working in you and it's not being developed in you, then you won't demonstrate the love. You'll try to, but then somebody's rudeness will outdo your capability of, of being kind <laughs> or whatever it is, you know? There's something powerful. There's something, there's something almost magical, Disney-like. When someone is kind to an unkind person. When somebody chooses not to be rude to somebody that deserves every bit of your attitude and facial expression and the whole thing, there's something magical that happens. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I mean, you know, many of you have exercised that and done it, but I'm here to tell you today that the promises and the blessings of God all hang on on the fact that we, we, in other words, the part that we've been given is all that's been done for you and I. Everything is set up for you and I. Every promise in God's word is set up, but they hang on whether we choose to love God and know what that really is and how to turn around and love people with that same love. So, love is not rude. Where did that go? There it is. Does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I like to kind of add in there, bears and believes and hopes and endures all things and the best of all people, for love never fails. So if you choose Love never fails, but you will without it. But when you and I choose to tap into and understand the love of God and the nature of the love of God and, and these characteristics of the nature of the love of God, and we choose, we choose to be aware 
I wake up every morning and one of the things that I confess out of my mouth is that I am aware of the voice of the Spirit of God and I purpose today to do what the Spirit of God is telling me to do. I promise you that the Holy Spirit will not propel you to rudeness. That's you. See, love is not rude. And if he says it's not rude, then it's not rude. So if you're rude, that's you. That's not love. Well, I tried. Yeah. Keep trying. <laughs> Keep practicing. Do it again. <laughs> do, do it another time, you know. And then after about four or five times, when the person passes out because of what they see coming from you, then you lay hands on them and resurrect them or something, you know. Who knows? It, it, becomes, it becomes something that you can't live without. We think, people think, there's no way I'm going to get rid of that root of bitterness that I have towards that person because you don't know what they did to me. No? No. And I mean, I've heard some horrific stories of things that one individual has done to another individual. And I don't know how they could, I don't know how it could happen. But if that person that's been done wrong holds on to that, then they become the victim and they live with that victim mentality and the love of God can never flow through them. It doesn't mean that the love is not there and is not already potentially destroyed everything that needed to be destroyed so that they could be free, but they still have to make a choice. You and I today, we could line up all of the ugly things that have happened to us and you know we could decide, well, well, mine's a little bit worse than yours, and so that's why I can't overcome, or the other one's a little bit worse. No, if we line them all up, they're all covered the same way. And you know how we get free of them? The same way. We love God, we understand what that looks like, and then we love mankind, and the love of God is what destroys all the other junk that we face. I'm just telling you, I've been saved for 35, somewhere around 35, 36 maybe. Who knows how long I've been saved and I don't find I've never found anything else that works but that there's no liberty in anything else but what I'm talking to you about today other things that help propel that but without the love of God manifesting in me on a day-to-day -day basis and me developing and practicing that and connecting myself to God who is love it doesn't work I don't have the capability I can do it for a little while on my own strength but what happens when I become weak? If he's big in me, then he becomes strong. Right? When I feel like I can't do it again, boom, all of a sudden the strength comes. Why? Because I've been developing my connection to God who is love, and then it gives me that ability to love. Even when people don't deserve it. <laughs> you know, greatest revelation you and I will ever get is I don't deserve nothing. Not one of us in here deserve anything. But because of Jesus Christ today, I've accepted it. But with it comes a responsibility to not have an attitude with it. And lay things down. And learn to love. Because I'm telling you, God will never expect something out of you that you can't produce. And there's never anything that God will expect out of you that on the other side, there is glory like you never knew there was. Ever. So to work.
So, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look in just a few verses in about three of these 1 John chapters. But I want to just read a few things to you. So just follow with me. Be good for you. If you like some good reading on the love of God, John was known as the apostle of love. And this 1 John, these five chapters in 1 John are all about the love of God. And it'd be good for you to read them. But I'm just going to read a few things out of here. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in. Whoever keeps his word truly, whoever keeps his word truly, truly the love of God is perfected in him or it's maturing. If you keep the word and you do the word, in other words, if the word tells you to be kind and you keep that, it's because... It's because what's maturing in you is the manifestation of God's nature, the love of God. Remember, God is love and love is God. So for the love of God to be perfected in you, as it's being perfected and matured in you, you're going to keep the word instead of doing the opposite of what the word says do. If the word says be kind and you're unkind, it's because that's not maturing or it's not perfecting on the inside of you. But you just keep moving. You just keep doing it doesn't mean that you give up because you made a mistake. No, you just keep doing it. And you keep practicing. And I'm telling you today, practice truly, even in this realm, makes perfect. It develops maturity and it enables us to live in a realm in the world that's above other things. And, you know, you know I, what I'm beginning to realize about walking in love is, is that it's a, it's a, it's a secret life. See, if you have to tell people you're walking in love, you ain't walking in love. That's okay. Just keep getting rid of that and just keep moving on, you know. But it's a secret place. It's a place where you do something where you're demonstrating the love of God in action. You're keeping the word The Bible says that signs will follow them who believe, who believe the word or keep the word. Signs will follow. And it's like, it's like you, act, you do an act of kindness, and then it takes people a while to figure out what just happened, but it leaves this aroma, this, this sweet aroma of God, and it affects people. It gets on people, and they, they start, it starts affecting them, and they don't even know why. Because when you live in a society like ours, it's a negative society, and there's this stream and flow of negative things all the time, and, and, and there's this stream and flow of, of downplaying and criticizing others to make ourselves feel better. That, that, but that's just human nature. Don't, don't, don't hammer people that, that you see doing that. First, make sure you're not doing it, you know, but don't hammer people that you see that way. They're not going to change until they see something different. I'm going to say it again. People will not change their attitudes and habits until they see somebody that's different than just the status quo out there. You and I have been given this challenge to be leaders that affect and contaminate people in a positive way instead of a negative contamination. The word contamination even has a negative connotation to it. 
But God, God wants this contaminating effect of His love to affect and touch people's lives really kind of in a silent way to why they don't even know why they're doing things. You ever been around somebody, you know, I mean, I, I, I was a, you know, my growing up years, you know, I was, I cussed like a sailor just because everybody else did, you know. And when I got born again, well, I, I didn't change, but, but when I got born again, I started getting around people that didn't cuss. So what happened is, after a while, you know, I'd say something, oh, you know, I'm sorry. And they go, and, and, and people say, well, you know, that's fine. You, you don't have to apologize to me about it, you know. But I kept feeling like I needed to because I'd get around them and they didn't. And, and that's the way it works with us. I mean, you know, you, you ever been around people that they can be around you for a while and if you don't cuss and they do, they just all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they make changes. I was with some, some family not too long ago. And uh, we were all hanging out at a, at a racetrack, and, you know, there was just a lot of that going on, you know. And, uh, and after a while, <laughs> after a while, it was, it was that kind of a thing. It was that, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to do that, you know. And, and I didn't say anything. You, you understand? It's, it, it, there's a silent effect that takes over in people's lives. And, and when you, when, let's just say you're on the job and it's, it's been kind of status quo to criticize somebody when they do something wrong and everybody jump on the bandwagon to criticize. And you just don't. I mean, you don't have to make a big deal. Well, I don't criticize people. Well, your face is criticizing. The fact that they're criticizing. You know, you don't have to criticize other people for criticizing. And someone says, well, you know, we're going to talk about so-and-so. Just choose not to, you know. I mean, you can kind of just smile or whatever, just, but, but there's a silent way that God affects other people. And I'm telling you, after a while, they're either not going to include you in their criticism or maybe it'll change. And especially if God shows you how to make a difference in that situation. We've been given the opportunity to live above circumstances of life, but not just to be selfish with it, but to be, but to be generous with it and to help other people see what it is that they're doing. But if I'm not seeing clear how the love of God operates, because I'm not connecting myself with God day to day, then, then that, love is not gonna, that love is not going to change other people through me because it hasn't changed me. And, and we just, you know, while you exist on this planet and you work jobs and you have careers and you do what you're doing, just silently in your relationship and your connection with God, let who God is just day to day change you. And He will. Day to day, he will change you. Whoever keeps the word, truly, the love of God has been perfected or matured in him. So where I'm not keeping the word, where I'm not doing kindness, there's not a maturing going on, so you choose to develop that process day to day about being kind and being patient and not being rude, not having an attitude, not being selfish, not just thinking about yourself. <clears throat> You know, the way I started doing this is I could only take one thing at a time because they were all part of my life. 
right? All those things that love was, I wasn't. And everything that love wasn't, I was. And so I just had to take one at a time. And I can remember years ago where I just started with being rude. And it was amazing when I started making myself aware of how many times a day that I said something that was rude or sarcastic or whatever to someone else. How, how, how many? I had no clue how many times. And, and I started just making a note. I used to carry a little, you know, back before you had all this other stuff, I used to carry a little pad in my pocket and a pen. And I had a piece of paper, and I wrote on there, and I went through it for about 30 days. I went through there, and I checked off how many times a day that I said something rude. I was shocked. Somebody asked me, are you a rude person? No, not me. Are you prideful? <laughs> but, <clears throat> you, you, you know, you, you, we, we don't know. And, and so, we, so I'm, I'm just telling you, just, just practice it. What's on the other side of never being rude again? If you've never challenged yourself in the way I'm telling you, there's no telling what's on the other side. In fact, what Matthew 22 says, that it's the release of the blessings of God. See, the blessings that are already there for you because of what Jesus did, I just, I release those to me by walking in love with everybody but myself. Being unselfish and being kind and patient and all those attributes of the nature of God, I'm demonstrating and practicing those, but I just had to take one at a time. You may be a lot sharper than I was, but I had to take one at a time. Verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God has been perfected. Whoever keeps the word, the love of God has been truly perfected. Look in the third chapter and the first verse. Third chapter and first verse. There's a lot of other good stuff in here, but I'm just getting to a point here. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. How much that He has loved us that we should be called children of God that we should be created in his image. And, and one translation or one, one verse of scripture in Ephesians, Paul said, if we're children of God, then we should walk as children. If we're children of light, we should walk as children of light. In other words, God so loved us that we've been called children of God. We have a responsibility to walk as children of God and not children of the world. Not just children uh, that do whatever they do off the top of their head. We're to be children of God and to operate and, and walk and demonstrate that. Verse 16 of chapter 3. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. That's how we know love, by the fact that he laid his life down for us. Now watch. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the way we know love is the fact that he laid his life for us. 
The way we demonstrate love is to lay our lives down for everybody else. But whoever has his world's, this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God or love is greater than our heart and knows all things. Behold, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we, watch this, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And what are those commandments? That we love God and we love people. Love God, love people are the two commandments in the New Testament that cause everything else to come to us. In other words, whatever we ask, we receive from him because, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we love God and love people. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we love God and we love people. We develop, we're in a developing mode of knowing who God is and loving God. And through the love of God that we begin to partake of, we're able to love people. Amen? So whatever we ask, we receive from him as we're developing love for God and love for people. Man, that's just a good word right there. I mean, that, that should be something that you and I meditate on day in and day out. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Notice, I, I like this passage here because he didn't say if. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because. What does that mean? If I'm saying that about myself, it's because I've already made up my mind and I'm already doing it. Whatever I ask, I receive from God because I love God and I love people. And when I screw up, I repent because I'm able to go to the God that I love and then I make the changes. I've had roots of bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart from the time I was born again, where I was made aware of what unforgiveness actually was. And I, and I carried roots of bitterness for a long period of time. And I would hear messages about forgiveness. We need to forgive these people. Okay, I forgive them. Now I hear another message. Okay, I forgive them. Now, here another message. Okay, I'll, I'll forgive them because I hadn't forgiven them. But the reason I hadn't forgiven them is I didn't know how to forgive them. You know, you can tell somebody, well, you need to, you need to straighten up, you know. Okay. What does that mean? Straighten up what? And what does straighten up mean? Straighten up is relative depending on what it is that you're talking about, right? So let's straighten up and do right. Well, what's right? When you've been hurt and you're holding stuff and you got stuff on the inside of you and, and, and I carried and held stuff that people and family members had done to me from the time that I was young and I carried it and I held it and I carried it and I held it and I got born again and I carried it and I held it and I tried to get rid of it and it, I'd take it back, give it away, take it back and give it away, and take it back and cast it and give it away and, and, and write it down on paper and tear it up. Still, I'd take it back. I'd piece it back together. 
you know, and then write it on paper and burn it up. And then I'd go find the ashes, take it back, you know, black hands and all. <sighs> Until one day, <clears throat> I got it. And when it happened with the person that I had the deepest seated thing with, I realized once I got rid of it, they didn't really do as bad as I thought they had done to me. It was really something that grew and grew and grew and exploded, you know, and I thought it was worse than it was. And when I was able to lay it down and go to that person and truly eyeball to eyeball repent to them for my attitude toward them, then they realized what they had done to me. They didn't know. And many times we hold grudges and unforgiveness toward people that they don't even know. It's eating us up, but they're just living their life. What a way to live. But when you can go and get to the root of that and get rid of it, what happens is then whatever you ask, you receive from God. See? Because now you're loving somebody that in the back of your mind, there's no way in the world I could ever love or forgive that person for what they did to me. I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but I just, I just never. I know. I've said it too. And that's what I thought. But thank God for the grace and the mercy of God. And thank God that God is patient and he's kind. He's everything that he says he is and that much more. Thank God he's been patient with us. Can you say amen? Where would any of us be had it, was it not for the patience and the kindness and the forgiveness of God? We'd all be in hell. All of humanity. I don't think humanity... If it wasn't for the mercy and the grace and the kindness and the nature of God, I don't think that humanity would have made it past the garden. Ah, we'll start over. <laughs> or he'd gone 4,000 years with us before Jesus, and Jesus, you, mean, you know, all of a sudden Jesus realizes the depth of what he's going to have to pay and thinking, you know, I didn't realize mankind was this bad. Nah, let's forget it. I lived here for 33 years. I'm here in the garden. Some blood starting to drip from the top of my head. No, I'm done with this. Father, let's bring the legions of angels and wipe this mess out. <clears throat> let's start over. No, he loved us. And Jesus chose, he chose to lay his life down for us. And yet, he never made a mistake. How much more has he now empowered us to be able to lay our lives down for other people and love other people with the love that he loved us with? Because that's what the scripture just said right there. This is how we know love, that we know that he laid his life down for us. And so in knowing and developing that, we're able to lay our lives down for other people. I'm telling you, it's magical. Something in life happens to you and I in ways that we can't even explain when you can walk in the love of God. And watch, watch this as I, as I end this. Go to chapter uh, 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And see, that just, that fits into what we're saying. That's not, 
that's not a condemning passage of Scripture the way that some people could read it, but it's an encouraging passage. That, and it's saying this, if you're not loving, it's because you're not connecting to God who is love. And that's, that's the first commandment. We've got to love God first before you're going to love anybody with, with something that we think is love. I don't, want to think, I don't want to just try to imagine what love is. I want to know what it is and then love with that. Instead of just trying to be good. Ah, that, that's overrated. And you're not going to do it. You're going to become weak and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to quit. And when you're not connected to God, the Bible says, when I, when I become weak, then he is strong. And if I'm not connected to him, when I've exhausted my efforts, then there's nothing to draw from. And that's why people quit. Well, I tried that before. I've quit 19 times. All right, let's do it a little bit different the 20th. Then. Let's try it a little bit different. Let's look at it and view it a little bit different. And see, if you've got it working in you, you can take somebody that's been discouraged for 19 times and hates the church and hates God because of the church and all this kind of stuff, and you can help people walk through stuff because you're connected to God, but you do it in a silent way. I'm not saying you don't talk to people. I'm just saying you, you, you don't do it trying to force it on people. You do it by people seeing how good it is for you and how it's worked for you, but you don't do it in a prideful way. You do it in a way that they can accept it and receive it. And you can only do that by the Holy Ghost because he knows what every individual person needs at a given time. He knows what they need. You don't. And when you try to figure out and you think you know and you're in pride thinking you know you're going to help someone, nine times out of ten we don't. That's what I mean by silent and, and in, in, a, in a calm way and in a restful and a peaceful way we lead people. You know, when you see God leading people, he's leading them beside quiet waters, still in quiet waters. He restores a person's soul, you know. It's not this yelling and screaming and pushing and shoving and trying to make people change kind of a thing. It's by quiet and still waters, and that's what he'll lead you to do for other people. And it can be a great thing. And you know what? When I first got born again and some of the pressure that the church put on me, you got to evangelize. You do? Yeah, you got you to get out there and evangelize. So we did street evangelism. You know, got spit on and got all this stuff, you know. And so we did door knocking evangelism. And if you've done that and it's been effective for you, I'm not being critical of it. I'm just saying, man, that just wasn't me, you know, knocking on someone's door. And, you know, uh, do you need prayer? No. <laughs> okay. Go to the next door. Do you need prayer? What do you mean? You think I don't pray? <laughs> okay. Uh, you need prayer? I go to church and I got a guy that prays for me. <laughs> Right. It just, you know, maybe that works for some of you, but it has never worked for me, you know. But when, you know, this last week when I was in, in New Mexico with my dad and my mother was on machines and on life support, and man, just, I was just speaking the word over her, you know. And as I, and I saw as I, you know, I, I, not, not, with, not with people in there, you know, when they're doing their job, you know, they don't need to hear you do all that kind of stuff necessarily. I mean, there's maybe times. 
But you know, when I was in there with her, and I, I was praying, and one day a woman walked in behind me, and it was a friend of hers, and I didn't see her, and I was just, I was just praying and speaking the word over her out loud, you know, where she could hear it. And she, she was not conscious for a long time, and then she became conscious and real aware of what I was saying, and she was really receiving from me the things that I was saying. Well, this one day, this woman walked in behind me, and a uh, woman had been in church for 50 years, and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm speaking the word over her body. And the word, according to Proverbs 4, is being medicine to her body. I said the same way that they're putting medicines in here for her heart and medicines here and there, you know, and the different things that they were doing because her heart had shut down, her kidneys had shut down, and everything. And by the, by the day I left, everything was normal. All of her vitals were normal. And the kidney doctor kept coming in and saying, and this just doesn't happen. Your kidneys don't fail and then come back. But they just did, you know. And they did for not just a day, but two days and four days and six days and eight days. And they were strong. And they just, and even, even right now, they're still strong. She's got an issue with her heart that's kind of the deciding factor right now. But as I was in there and this woman was watching me do that, she said, what, what, what are you doing? And I told her. And I told her about the medicines, and she could kind of relate to that. She'd been in church all her life, but never taught how to be a doer of the word. Okay? So as I'm just, ex she's asking me questions, so I'm just explaining to her what I'm doing. And she said, you know, a year and a half ago, my husband was in the same condition. And, and it shouldn't have happened. But they made a mistake, and he died. And she said, I haven't been back to church in a year and a half. And she said, now um, I'm studying Buddhism. And I said, really? And so for about four days, this woman came to listen to what I had to say about what I was doing because what it was helping her to realize is she didn't know how to do that. And that maybe her husband wouldn't have died had she known things like that. Not, not like I was saying that or I was putting anything on her because my mom was getting better and her husband died. Not, not, not in any way. See, you do that to people, you shut them out, they feel worthless, like they don't know anything. But what she was doing was just watching me do what I always do, whether she's standing behind me or not. I wasn't there speaking the word and applying it as medicine to her flesh because somebody was watching me. It didn't need to be that way. But as she was watching me, something happened, and it changed her. And I'm just saying, there's so much stuff like that that, that, that we need to be involved in, but just in a real silent kind of a subtle way in so many instances and situations because people because of the pride they have and the fear they have that something won't work they have to see it working in someone else because of their connection to God not because of how they perform and there's a huge difference and when you know God who is love and you have the patience and the kindness and the time. And, you know, my head really didn't want to sit there and talk to this lady for 
three and four and five hours. My dad was there and I had other things I needed to do. But God said, this woman, you came here for this woman. And this woman's headed back to church life. And out of what she was doing that she really didn't like, she didn't like studying the other religions that she was studying, but she was so discouraged and felt so betrayed by God because nobody was there to help her, you know, to understand what it was that she had gone through and what, she, what it was that she was facing. And you and I have that responsibility. That's what we're here for. And I'm telling you, there's somebody in your life today that needs you to love God and needs you to love them. Somebody around you today. Just, just one. Everybody hold your finger up. Just one. Just one. Just somebody that needs you loving God and developing the love of God in you so that you can let God in you get into them. Somebody. Amen? Almost done. So, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Watch this. There is no fear. There is no fear, in other words, mixed with love. Love and fear is like oil and water that don't mix. You can stir them forever and they won't mix. You will not find God doing something to you in fear to get you to know him. He's love and fear isn't. Amen? There's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear. Because fear involves punishment, but he who fears has not been perfected in love. We love him because he first loved us. So I want to end today just in saying, according to this verse 18, that perfect love cast out fear. And fear involves punishment or torment. But he who fears has not been perfected in love. So, so people, fear and love don't mix. But perfected, developed love cast out fear. And the thing, I'll just use this woman I was talking about a minute ago, the thing that, that was in her was fear. And when she saw God in operation through what I believe in that I got from this, see, she saw God in operation through me. People need to see God in operation through you because you believe this. What I was speaking over my mother that was creating life, because the Bible says the entrance of his word brings life and light. What I was doing, speaking and allowing medicine of the word to go into her body, was something that he was directing me to do, and this woman saw it. And when she saw love in operation, it began to deal with the fear and the loneliness and the separation from God that happened because of this situation and this instance with her, this, this situation with her husband and him, him dying on the table. And when, when, when perfected love is in me 
and I'm administering that love to someone else and it's liberating them from fear, then there's no end to that continual process of seeing humanity liberated. That's why we win the world just one person at a time. Me and one, you and one, and on and on and on. But we'll never win them apart from the love of God and what love is and the expression of love on a day-to-day basis. I'm telling you, your commitment in life from here on out, just as a result of what I'm preaching to you today and you developing it, but your commitment from here on out in life to loving God and loving people will continue to open the door for success in everything that you do, everything you set your hand to, the wisdom and understanding that you'll have in life and the opportunities, the, the favor that you'll have with men because of God and the, in the situations that you find yourself in. But it'll all come, it'll all hang on whether you develop an understanding of God who is love and then being able to love people with the love that God is through you. Amen? So take this word today and in this Christmas season, just do something with it. Just, just silently and calmly and in a real natural way. Just look for an opportunity to help somebody and be there for somebody and, and do something. Do, do you know that you don't have to, you don't have to, you can do something nice for somebody you don't even know. And it may be the last time you ever see them. And if you did something nice for somebody that you don't even know because God told you to, that that's enough. You don't have to go chase them down and give them a business card and, you know, give them 14 books and all that kind of stuff. You just just be a blessing to people. If that's all God's telling you, if he's telling you to give them a card or whatever, give it to them. But you don't have to do that. I still think about this guy that one day, years ago, I filled his, his car up with gas. <laughs> I still remember this guy, he was, he was shocked. And I said, I, I was filling my car up and he was around the other side of the tank and I, and I pulled the deal around. I said, you know what, I want to I buy you some gas. I put gas in mine. And I don't know how many years ago this was. And he looked at me and goes, why? I don't know. What do you want? Nothing. I said, God just told me to do this. And I told him, God told me to do this. Because he did. I'm trying to argue with God. I don't want to do that. I don't know the God. never seen him again ever. I just put gas in this guy's car <laughs> I can remember my rear view mirror as I was driving away thinking I mean I'll probably never see that guy again <laughs> he was just standing there like this <laughs> he was shocked but you know what you know what you know what God showed me after that just over time he said you know do you know how many times that that guy has done something for other people because of what you did for him because the guy told me as I was filling his car up, he said, did somebody tell you I needed gas? I go, no. He said, I did. I was putting $2 of gas in my tank. You know, you know how far that'll get you from, you know, the YO to the, to the river. <laughs> you know, he said, 
I was going to put $2 for the gas and he filled my car up. Do you know how many times that guy's thought about me in the last, I don't know, 20 years? We got to leave those kind of secret impressions with people that we don't, who knows? Well, did you make sure he was born again? No, I didn't. I wouldn't let to. I just put gas in his car. But I'm telling you, people that I come in contact with and that I bless and I touch, I think about that guy all the time and I've thanked God ever since that happened. I've thanked God for his salvation that people would come across his path in the right way and that he would know God if he didn't know God. What we can do, man, what God will get us involved in if we just get our minds off ourselves and live in the love of God. I'm done. Father, we thank you. We so thank you for this time of year. So thankful for your son, Jesus. You so loved us that you gave the best. You gave your absolute best for humanity that didn't even deserve it. We didn't deserve it. We messed it up in the beginning. All through those 4,000 years, we messed it up time and time and time and time again. Lord, we're so thankful that you loved us, that you had mercy for us and grace. Today, we receive it. We live with it. We live on top of our situations and circumstances. We're blessed coming in and going out because of who you are and what you've done and how you've empowered us to love others with. So today we purpose in that love, no matter what others do, no matter what people think or say or anything else, we choose to do what you say. We honor you today, Lord, and we thank you. And this Christmas season, we purpose to look for people secretly that we can bless and be allow your, your aroma and your goodness to minister to them and give humanity hope. To give humanity hope. Today we bless you and we thank you, Lord.